section. Today, Sarah, Brenna, and myself, Molly, will be sharing a few tips and tricks to incorporate into your garden yet this summer. Guys, I'm really excited for this podcast episode today so we can talk all things tips and tricks. Um, I think the first thing we should establish is where are we all at? So I'm in the flatland. So I am, you know, in zone 4A, 4B, kind of on the borderline there. But I live at normal elevation. Aren't you guys a little bit higher than where I am? Yes, I am nearly at 4,000 feet in elevation. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm in Colorado and I sit right at the foothills. Um, my elevation is about six thousand feet, and my uh, my zone is somewhere around like five B or so. But the weather here is so insane. I don't really put much value into like the hardiness zones very so much. So does that make a lot of differences? So for me, you know, I have a pretty short growing season being in Minnesota, but does there any change between being at a higher elevation? Like, is there any more challenge to that versus um, not being at a higher elevation? So I'm going to toss that one actually. Yeah. I'm actually going to toss that one to Sarah because I have yet to be successful in any real way of growing where I am. Our se- our seasons are, our snow lasts till like the mid of June sometimes. So, um, so yeah, so I've had, I'm good at making dirt. I'm not so great at growing stuff. (laughs) Sarah, what do you think? Uh, Yeah, living higher elevation does make things a little harder to grow. Um, What I do is I start all of my starts inside, minus like carrots and green beans. Um, But... I start like pumpkins and tomatoes and peppers and things like that inside around April. And then they're all big and huge by the time I can plant. And it's always said here in Montana that you should plant um, after Memorial Day and then everything should be good. That'll be like the very last frost um, will have already happened and then everything is safe in the garden. And if we do get frost, Um, I usually cover all of my plants because they're still tiny enough that I can cover them with like a bucket or something like that. That's really similar for me in Minnesota is the old wives tales always plant after Memorial Day and you'll be good to go. And so I always try to get, you know, my starts in the ground around then. But last year I actually started my garden in the first week or second week of June. And I had an incredibly successful garden last year. So I was like, the later I go, probably the better. Um, This year, our frost was out a little bit early and a lot of people got their starts in the garden um, like Mother's Day weekend. And I didn't, I held out and I waited. So I'm hoping that mine is still successful this year. Um, And, you know, I hope everybody else's is too. But, you know, when you start a little early, you can sometimes get some of those frosts and just not the best weather. So see, it's really crazy because for us, they say after mother's day is when, is when you can start to, to plant. But like I said, we, we, I mean, we've had hail, I want to say the past three weeks off and on. So between the hail and the late frosts and the weird snows, and then, you know, we can also get snow as early as August. So it's like our growing season is incredibly short and on the tail ends of them, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to trust the weather because even if it's not overly cold, that the hail is just, it wreaks havoc on the garden. I, I actually want to build a frame to put to like with hinges to put over my raised bed so that I can kind of try to protect them. <laughs> Because it killed my beans. <laughs> For sure. Sarah, you guys get hail 
often or during the summer as well, don't you? Yeah, we do. Um, we, let's see, a few years ago, I lost an entire garden to hail. It lasted like two seconds, but it was giant hail and my garden was gone. Yikes. That's so hard. And, you know, along with that, I think an important thing for people to consider with your garden is what you're going to do when you have bad weather and how you're going to handle that for your your plants. Like, Brenna, this spring, you had a ton of rain and you were swimming, your peas were swimming. They were like, swimming. Well, how do you... Yeah, like things like that you don't always prepare for, or you don't know what you're going to do, but how you handle that can determine if you're going to have a su- successful garden or not. So are there any other things that you guys would do for, you know, early frost or um, hail or windstorms? What would you do to protect your garden? Um, I watch my weather app like a hawk and... Um, when I see the hail warning, I usually run out to the garden and I cover every possible thing that I can. I, uh, with my tomatoes there, they have a tomato cage in there. And so I drape sheets all over my garden and I do the same thing for my peppers. And, um, I have like those plastic tubs that you store things in. I have those for other plants as well. And it has worked amazing. I did the plastic tubs on my herb garden last year because uh, we had a really late, very, very, very late snow. Um, I want to say it snowed like in June 10th or something like that. And so um, I ran outside with all – I dumped everything out of all of my storage containers and ran outside (laughs) and stuck them over my my herb garden. And it it did – it worked really, really well. I was really happy with it. and it's interesting because typically here we're so dry. So I did not drill holes in my planters for the peas because I figured the more moisture I could hold in the bottom where the rocks were in the in the container that, you know, the better off it would be. It would just draw the roots down. And um, now we've had the heaviest rain this season and, that I've ever seen in seven years and that people that I know that are native to the area have seen in like 13, 14 years. So, of course, you know, so drainage holes help evidently. <laughs> that is true. I for early frost, that's something that I deal with in Minnesota. And one thing last fall, uh, early fall, we had a frost, and I had so many like just about ripening tomatoes on the vine, and I was like, I need to get these like covered. I need to get them in whatever. So there's two ways that I have tried doing it. Both have been successful. Um, but some take longer than the other. So two things that I've done for early frost is one, I go out there and I drape quilts or blankets all over my tomato plants and just hope and pray that they're going to be okay. And then normally it's a pretty quick turnaround time. So you'll know if it's good or not. The other thing that I had, I did last year with my cherry tomatoes, but I've also seen people do them with full on large tomato, um, plants. They will just cut them down at like the base of the stem, um, you know, right above the roots and they will take them inside and hang them upside down, keep the tomatoes on the vine and just hang them and let them vine ripen. So last year I took a bunch of my um, cherry tomatoes, like I just clipped them off like up by the, um, like the main stem. And then I wrapped them in twine and hung them over like kind of swooping over top of my kitchen window as like a decoration in our house but then they they turned red and they ripened and then we still used them inside yeah so it was 
it doubled up as like a cool like decorative piece plus we still got to harvest the tomatoes so that was kind of a cool thing so if we have early frost i might consider doing that with like my big plants as well that's awesome brilliant yeah yeah i just saw it last year i was like we'll give it a try it's no harm i just would eat fried green tomatoes for a year i love fried green tomatoes (laughs) that was my (laughs) father-in-law Yeah, it's funny because, you know, being from Florida, you stick anything in the ground and it just grows. You know, there there is no season. It's just hot. (laughs) So it's it's definitely been an education living at elevation. And and it's yeah, it's it's fascinating, really. Hoop houses. (laughs) Yes, I would love one so bad, like even just a, a low tunnel or a high tunnel, like anything. I would love to have that someday. Yep. So there's one thing in a garden that all of us despise more than the other uh, is weeds. Who here likes weeds? No one. Nope. (laughs) What are you guys' tips for keeping the weeds down? Get a duck. (laughs) (laughs) My ducks love weeds. They do. Yeah, they do. They'll take a nibble. So you have to like kind of, you know, watch them. Um, but what I do is I pick the weeds and then I give them to the ducks because they, they love them. They'll eat them like crazy, but they will nibble a tomato plant here. They're, they, they're not as, um, uh, as like detrimental to the, to the plants as chickens are, you know, chickens will mm-hmm. just turn the whole thing into a moonscape, but ducks actually will, they'll, they'll take little nibbles, but they won't eat the plant down to the root. Um, and they, yeah. And they'll get all of the weeds. So I kind of like them. Yeah, no, that sounds pretty slick. My chickens would devour my garden if I let them. Mm-hmm. Yes. No, can't trust chickens. <laughs> Brenna, did you also get a huge load of mulch this year? Did you use that for your garden? Oh, I did. That is that is an excellent call out. So there's something called Chip Drop, C H I P D R O P. It, it's a website, um, and they're they're pretty prolific across the United States. And they will do free mulch. So the arborists and everything that are in the area, they have to pay at the dump to drop the drop their chips. And so this company has gotten together and kind of you know connected arborists and and other landscapers with. Um, with people that want mulch, you have to be okay with having leaves in there. Uh, but I've gotten two free loads of mulch. The first one was pine, which I was a little nervous about because pine needles are, you know, toxic to other plants around them. Um, but it did great for the pathways because it kept the weeds down. The, the weeds aren't growing through the pine needles. Um, and then the next load that I got, I requested no pine and they gave me a bunch of, um, Oh goodness. Now the word alder, they gave me a bunch of alder. And so it's, uh, yeah. And it's fantastic. It's going in all of my beds and it breaks down nicely and you know, it's free and you're, you're, you know, recycling. So I can't recommend it enough. Yeah. And then next year you can just till that under and it creates a, a mulch or compost of its own, which is nice. It does. Yeah. Yeah. It is really nice. I feel good about what I'm doing. And um, fabric cloth is, you know, is excellent, of course, but uh, I'm still digging up fabric cloth from the people that own the house before me. Uh, And so places that I want to plant, now there's fabric cloth and it's kind of a pain in the tush for me. Um, So I choose to go with the mulch, but those, they're both beneficial. How do you handle uh, weeds, Sarah? Um, I usually, I don't mulch my my garden. I probably should, but, um, I just, I literally go out into my garden, um, 
twice a week in the evenings and pick everything. We, uh, so years ago, I let my garden go. Like I just, I didn't plant anything and I didn't go in there and weed anything. I just kind of let it go. And my husband was like, you really should get out there. I'm like, eh, it'll be fine. Well, years later, I am paying for it and we have some serious weed issues this year. <laughs> but if I keep up on them a couple times a night or a couple times a week, um, usually I do pretty well. Wow. You are a much more methodical. I'm a chaos gardener. That's a romantic gardener. Um, I would not have that diligence, but I Me thought too. it was, I thought like a lot of people let their gardens kind of go fallow for a little bit to kind of get the nutrients back into it. But it sounds like it actually is maybe not such a great idea. <laughs> it hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> Good to know. That's so, that's so hard. Cause <laughs> weeding is just like the bane of my existence. I despise it so much. My garden is so overgrown right now. I keep going out there, but our mosquitoes have been so bad this summer that I go out there and five minutes later I'm covered and mosquito bites. And so I can only stay out there for a little bit of time. But Brenna, you made a really good point about the nutrients in your garden. And, you know, if you left that there, what it could create. And I think it's important also, you know, if your plants aren't doing well, that's something you should look into to see if your nutrients in your soil are where they need to be. I know that there's kits that you can buy at like your local hardware or uh, lawn and garden or, you know, whatever type stores that you can test like your soil composition and see, you know, what you're lacking or what you need. Um, you know, because there's, there's a lot of things that you need in a garden to make your garden successful. Have you guys ever had to do any soil testing? I haven't personally had to do any for mine, but I know some people that have. I have not really done any soil testing exactly. Sometimes I'll test um, for the acidity in it to see if it's, you know, for my tomatoes. I've done that a couple of times, but mostly um, what I've been doing the last few years is I just put rabbit poop in my garden beds every single year for extra added nutrients. And this year, um, whatever I take out of the goat barns has actually been going into my garden and um, it's like three years old now. And so it's pretty broke down and my plants are actually loving it this year. That's awesome. That's huge. It's so nice that you have that fertilizer readily available to you and you can just put it right in. Yeah. It's all organic. Awesome. Yeah. It's pretty awesome. I Yeah. It. That's amazing. So I have raised beds and I got dirt from a local dirt place because you know bag dirt's expensive um and and my worms bin wasn't going all that great just yet so i went ahead and went to this local you know company and it was really inexpensive it was 37 dollars for a load of what they called potter soil and it had sheep and um cow manure composted into it so it's been composted and uh I just, I don't know, like my plants are not thriving and I don't know if it's the weather. I don't know um, what's been going on, but I, and, and I have not done a soil test. So I probably need to do that because I have a feeling that even though they call it potter soil, it probably isn't exactly as nutrient dense as I need it to be. Um, so candidly, I've just been, you know, amending it with worm castings and then mixing my coffee grounds in there whenever I have coffee grounds. So I've, again, a very manic, very chaotic gardener, which is probably why I don't have a gigantic yield. Um, but it's fun. My carrots are doing really, really well. I did some, just a quick 
research before the podcast, just I wanted to see what nutrients people are most commonly deficient in or where where they are at. And I actually found out, so I know that there's macronutrients and micronutrients, but I didn't actually know what the difference was in terms of gardening. And so the primary macronutrients that your garden needs is nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. And potassium ro- struck a chord with me because I've been seeing all over online people making banana water for their plants. And once they put banana water on their plants, uh. they just thrive. And so I was like, okay, that makes sense. Like I didn't think of that prior. And I'm like, okay, maybe we should do that in our gardens. Um, but then the secondary macronutrients come from sulfur, calcium, and magnesium. And then your micronutrients are you know, what you need in smaller amounts, but you're looking at like iron and copper there. And so those are the main nutrients that you're wanting good amounts of in your garden. Um, And if you have too much of something or not enough, you know, you're definitely going to have issues because of that. I wonder what coffee's got in it. I think that's the nitrogen portion of it. I'm not positive. I have to look that up. I've just been putting coffee in my plants since I was a kid. It just makes everything really green. So it's never burned anything or made anything unhappy non-scientific over here yeah and i know my grandma has done that for years like it's just what they did right and so i don't think there's a problem my plants seem to like it everybody likes caffeine and another good way to get the nutrients into our gardens is through how you're watering your garden right so i know brenna we talked on a podcast um a couple weeks ago about your rainwater collection I have not done any rainwater collection. That's something I want to get into. But Sarah, do you do that? Brenna, I know you do, but maybe we should talk a little bit about the the benefits of rainwater for your garden. Yeah, I have a giant rain barrel. I forget um, the amount it holds, but um, we have it on the side of our house and our rain gutters um, pour into it when it rains and it, it can fill up super fast, like one good rain and it's completely full. And that's what I usually water all of my starts with inside. And then when all the plants are still small and in the garden, I water with that as well. And they do amazing with it. Do you have mosquito issues up as high, up as cold as you are? Um, Sometimes, but even with all the rain we've had this year, there really aren't very many many mosquitoes up here, which is really nice. That's really nice. So, I mean, Colorado generally doesn't have a ton of mosquitoes. And where we sit, as high as we are, we don't get a ton either. But we've had so much rain. And I have two rain barrels. That's a nice term for them. They're trash cans, right? So I have two trash cans and I'm kind of like learning about how to capture water and where's the right place to do it and the height of it for the gravity field. Like I'm, I'm messing with all of that, but mine filled up so fast and we had such terrible mosquitoes and I was trying to figure out if they were coming from the rain barrels or if they were coming from standing water somewhere else in the garden. So I was running around dumping anything that was holding, you know, flower pots or kids toys or whatever was holding water. But I was kind of curious if you knew of a like tip or trick to get rid of, you know, the larva that could be laid in there um, in the rain barrel. Um, my rain barrel has a lid, like it, it's like a two part lid and it sits on really tight. And then there is a tube that hooks into the rain barrel and there's no like just sitting water. It's all closed up. And so I think that might be why. 
Interesting. I put ACV in mine, just like a little bit of ACV in there, and I was hoping that that might kind of change the alkalinity enough for them. But I'll have to look into actually doing a rain barrel now that I kind of know where I want them to sit because that's my – I just don't want to breed mosquitoes for the neighborhood, you know. No kidding. <laughs> I, won't, I won't be popular. <laughs> no. I'll send you guys some mosquitoes if you'd like them. No, thank you. No, I moved very. I thought I'd offer. I moved two thousand miles away to get rid of mosquitoes. I don't. No, thank you. <laughs> oh, um, before um, I forget, have you ever tried rosemary water for for your skin for the mosquitoes? I have not. No. Nope. Yeah. So if you make a tincture out of rosemary, you know, boil it, cook it down, boil the rosemary leaf pine needles whatever they're called you know their leaves down and then you can spray that no very scientific um you can spray that on your skin it doesn't hurt you and it also keeps the mosquitoes away interesting i might have to try that i like it thank you you'll smell delicious for sure Mm -hmm. i have done rosemary in my hair before because it's supposed to really help with your hair growth and i've done that before but i've never done it for mosquitoes so it's worth shot yeah works for me So we've talked about weeding, our nutrients, um, how we water our garden, things like that. How about plant-specific tips? So like for me, a few things that I do on my tomatoes, they're pretty much the ones I give the most attention to. I know that sounds really terrible, but they get a lot of my attention. And so I am always um, pinching off the low branches and I just get all those away from the ground because... um, just just to help the plant and then always you know in the armpits what they call the armpit so like where your branch comes off you get these little suckers that they stick right in the middle there and I always am pinching those off when I see them you know come in and things like that so is there any other plant specific tips that you can think of for um, your gardens that would be helpful for so pumpkin plants are my absolute favorite thing to grow and so um i let them get really big inside and i baby them um i don't give them cold water i let it come to room temperature and i feed them that for a really long time and i cover them when it's going to get cold so they can thrive because I've, I've just put them in the garden, watered with cold water, let them be out in the elements, and they have done so bad up here. So I baby my pumpkin plants. <laughs> That's awesome. Pumpkins are so fun. I know that there's you know people out there that strive to grow huge pumpkins, and they take so much time and care uh, out of their days for their pumpkins. So I can see where that comes from. I love pumpkins. Another one I actually just saw a tip is with your cucumbers. So you know how you can trellis cucumbers? If you actually show the cucumber where to attach, like if you like, you know, kind of like muscle memory for a human, but if you like touch it to where you want it to attach the trellis, it will remember that and it will grab. Whether or not that's 100% true, I don't know. I saw it online, so it has to be true, right? Of course. Yes, of course it does. (laughs) It's worth a try, though. I mean, you're not hurting the plant at all. And For sure. It's only going to take an you 10 minutes experiment. of your time. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty fascinating. Um, no, I mean, the only thing that I've ever heard to do, and I've, you know, like pinching and tending to your tomato plants that way is somewhat highly controversial. Some people are like, oh, yes, absolutely manicure them. And other people are like, don't touch it. Um, 
I don't, I, I'm not, I'm a novice, so I don't have a strong opinion one way or another. But the thing that always made a lot of sense to me was that the closer they were to the ground, the more disease they could pick up to keeping those leaves away from us. That's like the only tip that I know really. And that's so much easier said than done. Like if I want to water my garden, I just want to water it and spray the water instead of going plant to plant. But it's so true because last year I actually got hit with blight so hard in our garden, like so hard. I thought I was going to lose my whole tomato yield. Like I thought I was going to lose everything. Wow. And I did a whole bunch of research last summer and I combined a few different things and I ended up beating blight in our garden. And I was so stinking happy um, that I'm going to be writing a blog post about it for this this week. So um, blight kicked my butt last year. But what I ended up doing was using water, baking soda, and a little bit of Castile soap, mix that together, and I sprayed the plant. Like I put it in a spray bottle and I sprayed this thing under the leaves, on top of the leaves, all around the soil, like everywhere. I did that for several days in a row um, and we beat it. I was so thankful because I was so bummed. Um, but blight took over my garden. Um, and I'm hoping to avoid that this year. So I learned the hard way last year that I cannot top water my tomato plants. See, I didn't even know what blight was or armpit pinching until you, until you just explained it. Like it just, <laughs> neither one of those words are normal to me. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's, yeah, there's so many different words and things that happen in the garden. I truthfully didn't even know what was going on with my garden last year when it happened. I had no idea. And I had to search and search to figure out what it was. Like the bottoms of my tomatoes, if you look at your tomato, if you look at the bottom, there was a black dot and it was soft Ew. and squishy and it just looked like it was rotten and then the leaves of my tomato plants turned like yellow and they had these like speckles on them and it just did not look healthy and that was blight is it a fungus um i think it is i can't remember for sure but i'm pretty sure it is a fungus and um some people say that it's because you don't have enough copper i believe in your soil and so I've never done a soil test. I should have done one this year. I didn't do it. Um, I might still like later this season if I have blight issues again, because I was hoping that it was just like how I was watering it and it caused that issue and not just my soil because the year before it was completely fine. And so, you know, if I'm starting to have issues again, I'm going to have to do a soil test to see what's going on. Um, that is wild. It was hard. <laughs> is there any other bugs or issues that you have in gardens that like are important to go out and you know little tips in and how to spot things that you guys have seen get rid of slugs yeah <laughs> i don't like slugs <laughs> yeah <laughs> i really don't have too many bug issues um there's one thing that i notice on my calendula plants i have like these little teeny tiny green bugs that like to stick to the stems because the stems of those plants are really sticky and so that's annoying i don't know how to get rid of it but that's usually the only bug problem i ever have in the garden are those aphids are they really 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 tiny i think so yeah Ladybugs. Yeah. I released, I must have released like 10,000 ladybugs last year because I had so many aphids all along my plants. And this year I haven't seen a single aphid yet. I have a ton of ladybugs, but no aphids. So 
Nice. Yeah. And I find that to be so wild. I never knew that you could order bugs in the mail. I had no Neither. idea. And people just order bugs for like their cut flower farms to have like this specific pollinator type and like to help opening and things like this. I had no idea you could just mail order bugs. Yeah, you can get praying mantises too, manti, mantises. Um, you can get those as well and they're really neat to release because they're super tiny. Or you can get their egg casings and then let those go yeah, I think that I, I like bugs. So they're, it's pretty fascinating to watch them all run around and they'll take care of everything. They're little eating machines. So, but. Speaking of bugs, there's potato bugs that I know people get on their potato plants they do. On, when they you know come up out of the ground. And I, everybody that I talk to says you need to get rid of your potato bugs. I've never grown to me potatoes <laughs> and um, so I've never had to do it. But I did see um, – where people are just going out to their garden with a little bowl with some water and some dish soap in there. And then they just take the bugs and they put them in that bowl and the bugs are no longer. Um, but then they don't have to worry about them not being disposed of and then going back to wreak havoc in their garden. That's interesting. Cause I grow potatoes out back and they're the thing that's going the best right now. And it's, um, but the ducks, hang around there a lot. So I wonder if the ducks are eating the potato bugs because I have not seen a single one. And they're, I know what they look like, but I've not seen a single potato bug. They might be. Another check mark for the ducks. I am a duck fan right now, I tell you what. <laughs> and they don't eat those leaves. They don't like the leaves of the potato plant. So Interesting. So maybe they are just there for the bugs. Those stink bugs, I don't know if they're harmful or anything, but I get a lot of those. I haven't seen them actually eat anything yet, but um, they get really big and they're ugly. I don't have any other thing of value to say about them other than they're big, they're ugly, and they're all over the place. <laughs> I don't know if I have any of those. We'll have June bugs, or we have June bugs. But they don't go near my garden. These look like shields. Like their backs are kind of like shields. Um, oh, yep. I've seen pictures of those. Yeah. And they get they get big. They get really big. But I don't know what they eat. Do you know what they eat, Sarah? Um, I don't know what they eat exactly. But we have them here. They don't, thankfully, get huge. But um, they like to be on the warm side of my house. Like we have one side of our house gets the sun all day long and they will like just be in swarms all over the house and they're gross. But they have never touched my garden. Thank goodness. Yeah. Stay away. Yeah. <laughs> then you die. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, guys, is there any other tips and tricks that you have for your garden that you would like to share? I would say more than anything, just don't give up. You know, pick a couple of things that you're interested in, in learning about or trying to grow and, you know, and, and keep trying. Um, every plant has its own, you know, needs and um, there's different things that you battle. Uh, you know, there's different ways to plant. I have permaculture in my yard. So sometimes if I don't do very well with the seasonal stuff, my cherries always produce and my apples always produce. So you will find the things that you like and the things that your soil likes um, and that can handle your environment and those will be the ones that are successful but just just keep being curious and keep trying um and you'll find things that you like to grow like sarah with her her pumpkins um i've got pretty good success this year with my sun chokes um and so they're a lot like a potato 
uh, we're definitely going to be in the starches this winter. Um, but yeah, so just keep, keep trying, keep playing and eventually they'll all work out. Well, Sarah and Brenna, thank you so much for jumping on today and recording this podcast to talk all about our garden tips and tricks. It has been so much fun talking to you. And speaking of talking, we have something really exciting coming up from the Homestead Connection. And I think you guys should all head over to our website at www.thehomesteadconnection.com and sign up for our email list. And you might just get an email this coming week to explain a little bit of something we've been working on that we're so excited about. So please head over to our website, subscribe to our email newsletter, and we are going to be sending you out um, a little surprise. So again, our website, www.thehomesideconnection.com. Until next time.